Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. As we all brace ourselves for the fourth wave of the pandemic, local health care providers are doing the same. Today's show focuses on two key elements within the county. The first is an interview with Suzanne Walsh, the new president and CEO of Northumberland Hills Hospital. She has been on the job less than a month, but she is already preparing for the impact of the next wave. She will also tell us about her plans for the hospital going forward. Oh, and by the way, she is so new to the job, we are going to take some time to find out a bit about her. I'm so pleased to have with me today Susan Walsh, the new president and CEO of Northumberland Hills Hospital. Welcome to Consider This. Thank you very much, Robert. It's a great pleasure to be here. Before we get into the details about you and your vision for the hospital, there's a lot to talk about regarding the fourth wave. As of yesterday, Ontario recorded five straight days of more than 500 new cases of COVID-19. The case total is sitting at over 500,000. In Northumberland, we are There were recently new cases identified. The number of vaccinations in Northumberland appears to be frozen with the number barely climbing. What is your assessment of the situation in Northumberland County? We have been monitoring the fourth wave um, very diligently because like you and everyone else, this is a very important um, thing that we need to be keeping our eyes on. We also know that given the Moving into the third wave where we were feeling hopeful about the decrease in COVID, we now are continuing the course. So we have been very diligent about continuing our practices internally to ensure that our patients and our staff are safe. And so we really have not, with the opening of Ontario, really pulled back many of those things to keep ourselves safe. We are right now in conversations with both our HKPR health unit as well as our OHTN around how we as a system can prepare for the fourth wave and how we can function um, as a partnership. So those conversations are in early stages, recognizing that we do have some time constraints, but that work has already started. So my main message is we're staying the course, we take this very seriously, and we're watching like you are to ensure that we keep our community and our hospital safe. How concerned are you or how expectant are you of a fourth wave? I was, I was recently on a provincial call that talked about the fourth wave planning. And the one thing that we did see in that call is that 95% of all new cases are due to the variant Delta. So that's a concern. But we also saw data that said that 71% of all hospitalizations are for individuals who are unvaccinated. So I think that this is really, before it was a race against being vaccinated, now at the fourth wave really is about getting more people vaccinated. Do you anticipate the same high numbers of hospitalizations as we've seen in the past? 
Um, I don't have all that information, Robert, in terms of what um, we can anticipate. What we can anticipate, though, is that those individuals who may die and those individuals who may be in hospital, more, most likely three quarters will be individuals who've not been vaccinated. There are numbers, uh, reports saying children are particularly at risk during this upcoming wave. Can you explain why this is? Yes, that's a really great question. And I don't have all the details, but I do know right now the eligibility for the vaccine are for those individuals who are old, 12 and older. So that population who are not eligible for vaccine have a specific vulnerability. And this will be a, an absolute area of focus in terms of system readiness. What is the hospital doing around vaccinations? So we've been very active um, in terms of supporting um, with our OHTN doing pop-ups, working with our health unit. And so our mission right now is really to try to get as many vaccines in arms as possible. And that has been something that we've been doing right from the very beginning. We really want to make this a vaccinated um, community so that we can ensure the safety of our community. Because we have seen locally that our numbers, especially in Northumberland, within the health unit context and within the provincial context are far below the averages. Um, what new strategies are you using to get people to get vaccinated? So um, one, of the, one of the things that we've been doing is really trying to do mobile pop-ups. So looking at the, and I know this is something that we've been talking about too with our health unit, where are the pockets of unvaccinated? Uh, we have that information based on the COVAX system and really trying to look at different strategies um, around getting folks vaccinated. So whether that's doing a pop-up clinic, in a, so this weekend, for example, last Friday we, we did a clinic that was at the beach. We're in Brighton this week doing a pop-up clinic. We also know that the health unit is also doing some similar strategies, as well as looking at how do we access individuals who may not have a, an address and who really are vulnerable in this pandemic. Last night, Justin Trudeau came by and during that, there was a very loud and vocal protest of anti-vaxxers and um, I wonder, what that impact has on the community as a whole when they you know, watch the national news and they see this kind of thing happening locally. Uh, what does it say about our community and what does it say about our hopes for getting and reaching uh, the threshold of herd immunity? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I think many of us right now are looking at what are the ways that we can support providing people with information that helps them make an informed choice. We know that we live in a democracy. We know that individuals have the right to choose. And it, but really what's important is that we're getting information to people as much as we can. We have local physicians who are willing to talk to anybody around the science. And the data really is showing us that individuals who are not vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID. If you could wave a wand and bring in policies or procedures that you think might make a difference, what would you like to see done around the vaccines? I think that I want all of our work to be guided by science and that if we had as much of our ability, so what you're seeing right now in the province, um, and we expect to see this be released in the next few days around the movement to having hospitals and long-term care, um, staff vaccinated. This is going to be, um, it's going to be a difficult conversation that organizations will be having around those policies. Um, I don't have a magic wand, but what I would like to see is that we've seen the benefit 
of the reduction in cases by being vaccinated. And I think that continuing that course to increase the number of individuals who are vaccinated is very important. And I know that we're also now looking at booster shots. Who are the individuals that need those booster shots? So I think we all want to get to a different stage of this pandemic into a new normal. And that's what we really need to be working towards. Are all hospital staff fully vaccinated? Right now, um, we are looking at, um, I don't, I can't speak for other organizations in terms of their vaccination rates. We know that the majority of our staff have taken that, um, are vaccinated. And over the next little while, we'll be able to have more information around, you know, what are the we have, you know, we have staff that may be away on, on mat leave and, on, you know, so who may not be vaccinated or didn't have access, but that's going to be a ma major area of focus in the next little while. But everyone that is in the hospital right now and is working, are they, is there a hundred percent vaccination? I can't speak to the specific numbers in terms of what, but we know that the majority of our staff are vaccinated. Why are you not able to share the, the number? The number we've had, we've had, um, we've got our initial numbers, and then we've got the numbers of individuals. So it's not an absolute number. And I don't want to put out there a number that I can't stand behind. And so right now, at this moment, I don't have the full accurate number. I'd like to shift gears now. And I'd like you to tell us a little bit about yourself. So let's start at the very beginning. Where, where are you from? And what is your background? So I, um, I'll go way back. I was born in England. I've been in Canada since 1975. Um, I've been in this community since 2017 when I moved to join the NHH. Um, my career has spanned, um, I've been over 25 years in healthcare. It started in an academic teaching organization in downtown Toronto. I've spent uh, six or seven years in a community-based home care organization. And I spent two years working with an organization that supported autism. So I, I bring a varied background. Um, from an educational uh, perspective, I started my career as a um, labor and delivery nurse. So I have a bachelor of science in nursing. I then went on to get a master of science. And more recently in 2003, I did an MBA at the Rotman School um, U of T. And that really provided me with a broader view on the healthcare system and a different lens to which to look at healthcare problems with. Do you have a family? I do. I have two children. I have a son who's 24 and a daughter who's 22. My daughter is here with me in Port Hope. Uh, my son is still living in Mississauga. Um, yeah. And what do you like to do when you're not running the hospital? When I'm not running the hospital, I, I started my career in, um, in theater, actually, I went to study acting. So I have a creative uh, slant to myself. And so I've been dabbling in doing art. I love exercise and physical fitness. I love to read. I love to, um, I'm a real um, information junkie. So I love to learn. And so I listen to a lot of podcasts, including yours. And I really try to keep myself well informed around what's happening in the world. So outside of healthcare, then what is your passion? Outside of healthcare, what's my passion? I would say, um, 
you know, it, it's changed. My passion has changed over time. My passion now is about connecting with the, the earth and connecting with those, you know, with family and friends and what's important. You know, I, I think as we all mature in our age, we start to focus differently on different things. And so, um, you know, recently I, I had the opportunity to observe some beekeeping and I'm fascinated by different things that I get to learn. So I'm a pretty open book. I really do like to have new experiences. I love water. So being here in Coburg and Port Hope and having access to water is really important. What do you feel are the key skills you're bringing to the table to take on this new position? What makes you special above all others? Well, I think one of the first things that I would say is that becoming a president and CEO of a hospital is not a destination. It's really the beginning of the journey. And so what I what I bring to the to the role is an openness to look at transforming healthcare in a broad system way. Healthcare is a team sport and it really takes those collaborations. So although we have a very specific mandate to care for patients in NHH, we also are part of a system. And so for me, having that focus on the system, the partners, the work that we're doing with the OHTN, um, all of the system partners is a really important piece. So my um, initial time here is really to understand who our partners are, um, understand how we all connect together in the big system. I also would say that I have a very, um, I'm a relational-based leader. I believe in the power of relationships. And so for me, having this size organization where I can connect with the staff um, in the organization, connect with the community is very important to me. I also would like to, uh, to, like to think that I, I bring an openness to innovation and doing things differently. I've never been one to say, well, this is the way that we've always done it. My mantra really is, how can we do this differently? How can we achieve that goal? I've always believed that if you have a vision and you engage the hearts and minds of individuals to support that vision, you can be as idealistic as you want to be. When you see an organization hire from within though, which is your case, uh, there's a sense that those in charge were looking to keep the status quo. So do you intend to keep things the same? And if not, why not? I think that um, in any, um, so I've been here since 2017. So I'm, although I was hired from within, I've also um, had a lot of experiences I described er earlier. Um, I think we've been on a journey for a number of years at NHH and, um, it would be very presumptive of anyone to say that they want to change everything because you don't want to change the essence of the culture, but you also want to build on the things that are amazing and also look at the, the opportunities. And so my, you know, I'm in a very um, fortunate position to be at NHH at a very exciting time of growth. We're implementing our new clinical information system, which we're going live with on December 3rd. That's a partnership with seven other hospitals in the Central East area. We're gonna be entering into a new strategic planning process, which will really define the growth that we need to do. We are, we are bulging at the seams in terms of outgrowing based on the increased demands in the community. So again, a very exciting time. Um, we have the, you know, the, the work with the OHTN and that partnership to really create um, wonderful pathways for patient based on their needs. So that's going to be an area of focus. And of course, um, the pandemic response. So I see myself as being a leader who will build on the strengths of this organization and respect those strengths. 
but also be open to what could be and how we NHH fit into the partnership of hospitals as a system, as a connected, um, connected care. Now, all that sounds great, but if I'm a patient coming through the doors, what's all this gonna to mean to me? We've, we've always said, uh, it's been very common that we will provide care to you or, pro or get you to where your care is needed. So at NHH, we are um, an organization that um, if we can't provide the level of care based on what we're meant to provide in the system, then we will get you to that level of care. What I'm hoping that you will see as a patient that when you come in, that we are continuing to provide excellent care to you that we're connecting you with the resources that you need. And we're looking at innovative ways of bringing care closer to home. A couple of examples of that, for example, is two new services that we've um, introduced to provide virtual care for individuals that have long wait list to see a neurologist. And so we've you know, used the levers of the pandemic for virtual care to have access to that neurology. That's just one example. And there are other examples that we wanna be able to connect people to the care. Um, I'm hoping that every person that comes through the door feels that they are part of a community that we want to support and that they feel valued. You arrived at a time when the provincial government seems to like handing out money to the healthcare system. How do you intend to keep the hospital on its current fiscal path? And where are some areas do you think there is a need to have more investment by the province? I think we've been very fortunate over the past number of years to be recognized um, for the, the demands of a medium-sized hospital within the funding formula. And we've had an infusion of um, announcements that have been made. We also know that the community is growing. And so although we've been fortunate to have some immediate needs met, we know those demands are gonna grow in the future. It is very important for me to ensure that NHH is a viable, is viable from a financial perspective. And so that is gonna be, again, part of our strategic planning, part of our understanding of fiscal responsibility. And um, we will continue to look for opportunities to, see, to, to seek opportunities where we should be appropriately funded for the care that we're providing as a medium-sized hospital when, within the context of the system. There are still beds that are not being used in the hospital. Do you anticipate seeing uh, enough funding to have full capacity at the hospital? We have, um, we have beds that we are funded for. The, the hospital was originally built for approximately 137 beds. During the peak in, during the peak, um, in April and May, we were almost at full capacity. So we're actually utilizing more beds than what we're funded for on a daily basis. So although we may have some beds open, that's over and above what we're actually funded for from the ministry. I guess that's my question then is, are you going to be seeking additional funds to open those beds on a full-time basis um, in order to meet the demands locally? We will always be advocating to support um, the additional beds that we have to open. Where are some areas that you think needs to get more investment from the province? If you were to look across the horizon, what, what are the areas that you think need more, more dollars? I think when we look at the pressures that we see today, there's a couple of areas that um, we know is a, an important focus. One is our, the number of patients that we see 
who are um, sitting in hospital beds that really are looking for an alternate level of care. So that we call them our ALC patients. And we know that there has been an announcement about some investments of long-term care facilities. Um, this is where I think there is an opportunity to look at ways that we can work with our home and community partners. Um, hospitals are um, a location for individuals that need a, 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 an acute type of service. What we need to do is find supports to have individuals supported either in their home or have, or have access to beds that they can utilize. So again, when I talked about the previous opportunities around thinking differently, we wanna be able to ensure that people are in the right place. I think the other area that we know is a critical area for investment is around mental health, mental health supports. The demands of mental health continue to rise. We know that, you know, I, you've probably heard this, that the pandemic is, we're talking about a mental health pandemic in terms of just all of the impacts that going through a pandemic has on um, individuals who may not have accessed the system before. And I know that you um, have a keen interest and you talk often about the needs of our own community around mental health supports. We've been very, um, we do a lot of advocacy work and I know that you're gonna be speaking with Jennifer um, soon and she probably will be able to provide you with more specifics. But I think a couple of areas where we've tried to support our mental health population is when we create our short stay unit that has the ability to provide short-term support for individuals who may need a little bit of extra time uh, and support. We've invested an additional crisis worker to support individuals who are accessing care. And we've also, our, you know, the collaboration that we have with our MPART program, which is the mobile response unit with our police forces and OPP. Um, so a mental health as a system is, a, is an area that we know is an area of focus. Well, we recently lost the Northumberland Community Counseling Center that served about a thousand clients a year. Do you think its loss will have an impact on mental health services across the board in our region? I think any time that we lose services, it, it will have an impact. However, I do believe that the process that the, the region went through in terms of the RFP to be able to provide alternate services, um, hopefully many of those pieces will be um, will support that. Again, when you speak with Jennifer, she may have more details around some of those pieces. I know that we've been involved in um, supporting um, some work that came out of the RFP process. Okay. Your staff has been under incredible duress during the pandemic, and we are seeing reports of healthcare professionals feeling the strain. What measures are you taking to ensure your doctors and nurses are being looked after? This has been, we, 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 we talk about this a lot because we know that going through a pandemic has a huge impact. And right now we are, um, we've done quite a number of different things from a wellness perspective to support our staff. Um, we had a, um, we provided access to mental health supports. We've also um, taken opportunities to acknowledge our staff through ways that we can appreciate them. We can never do enough. I, I think that everybody goes through this in a very different way. It is again, I'm, I'm day, I think I'm day um, 11 in the job. And so I know this is one area that we will continue to work on to support our staff. Our staff are very valuable to us 
very important to the community. And we know that all of our staff have families. And so as we go into September and schools are opening, it's gonna create additional stresses. And that's something that I think about all the time. Are you concerned about staff leaving the hospital because they're feeling overwhelmed by pandemic fatigue? I think staff make decisions around um, where they want to work and be. Right now, I'm not feeling, um, I'm not seeing that, but it doesn't mean that I don't take my, you know, that we're not taking our eye off that ball. What do you hope to do moving forward with the Ontario Health Team? So the Ontario Health Team, I'm really proud of um, being affiliated with our Ontario Health Team. It's a partnership, one of the first, I, I think one of the first teams that's really consolidated in Ontario. And I'm looking forward to some of the exciting work that we can do across the entire Northumberland County. Um, right now we've got some, we have our Colburn Clinic, which is opened, which the hospital and many other partners is supporting to bring, to provide care closer to home. And, you know, as we start to work on year two and year three priorities, it'll be a very exciting time and a real benefit to the region that we have such a strong partnership and strong team. Have you had your first board meeting yet in your new position? I have not. Our first board meeting will be in September and we're still not sure at this point whether it will be face-to-face -face or whether it will be um, as we've been doing throughout the year. The, the board's looking at doing some strategic planning for the future. What advice or what things would you like to see that in terms of directions for short and long term? I think that, you know, I look at the strategic planning processes as really a collaborative process. And I wouldn't, I, I would, I would like to see that as a partnership and so that we're providing support and advice to each other. I think that um, when the board made a decision to appoint me into this role, they, they knew that that would be the strategic planning process would be part of the work that we do. And I think that what I would like to see is what is the you know, in 2021, thinking about 2026 and 2030, how does Northumberland County want, sorry, how does Northumberland Hills Hospital want to be and look, you know, what do we want to he see here and feel in five to 10 years? And to do that, we need to hear from our community. We need to hear from the stakeholders. We have a very strong patient family advisor um, council internally, the, NA the Northumberland Health sorry, the OHT also has a Partners Experience Council. So it's gonna be really important that we look at inc um, new information, we, we, we contact our stakeholders and we start, start to really understand what the demands will be on NHH and um, how we can ensure that our strategic plan will meet those ongoing demands. What is sitting at the top of your to-do list right now? Um, I have a number of things sitting at the top of my to-do list. One of them is um, preparing and supporting, working with our team on preparing the hospital for our new clinical information system. This is one of the biggest clinical transformations that NHH has ever seen. And so it is really important. That's, a, that's on the top of my list. Um, right now, the top of my list is also trying to understand the community. I, I always said that when I came into the role I've been here, so I have a sense of the, the hospital, the community, but now I'm putting on a different lens. And so I'm meeting, re-meeting with, with all of our stakeholders to understand what the issues are from their lens and how we then can use that information in, in as a preliminary information into supporting the vision and direction that I will be providing internally, engaging staff, 
um, and also as we've talked about, is ensuring that we're prepared for wave four of the pandemic. So my list is fairly, um, I have a comprehensive list, Robert, that I'm focused on right now, but those are just a few of the highlights. Susan Walsh, I wanna thank you so much for talking to me today. And I wanna thank you so much for providing me with the opportunity to do that. That was my conversation with Susan Walsh, the new president and CEO of Northumberland Hills Hospital. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.